The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I am your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. Today I'm delighted to welcome to the show Cyrilla Gallagher. And Cyrilla is an expert in astrology and numerology and the Mayan calendar. So she's going to help us today to understand the influences that impact our lives. Cyrilla, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. So perhaps we could just begin um, by talking a little bit about the, the, the different areas separately and bring them together later. So give us a little bit of an overview of astrology and how you, how you work with that. Okay, well maybe I'll talk a little bit first about how I became acquainted with astrology. I uh, had a grandfather who was a sea captain and he spent quite a bit of time in the Middle East. So early on in life, I was exposed to astrology, but more from a Vedic perspective, and always had the awareness that the heavens had an influence, uh, you know, on our lives. And uh, as a teenager and young adult, I kind of put that whole um, experience aside. And when I, uh, as I was going through life and having my children and, and experiencing things as an adult that became more challenging, I kind of went back and investigated astrology because I wanted to understand the reasons behind what was going on in my life. I had this fundamental belief that everything happens for a reason, and I knew that there were tools that I could use to kind of give me some guidance as to what was happening at a particular point in my life. So I delved back into astrology about 15 or 18 years ago um, and was fortunate enough in my life I've had all these teachers that kind of fly under the radar, so to speak, and um, I studied with a woman for about 10 years. And astrology is something that, if you're trying to make any major decisions in your life, whether it's, uh, you know, looking at getting married or moving or changing jobs or feeling like, you know, the direction your life uh, is going just isn't quite feeling right, astrology is just a wonderful tool because it really is our blueprint. It's uh, a picture of what was going on above our heads when we uh, entered the earth and took our first breath. 
and we calculate it. It's very mathematical in terms of how we calculate it, Peter. As you know, you know it has everything to do with a date, a time, and a location of our birth, and then it, it, it puts this information into a chart that talks about our strengths, our weaknesses, you know, lessons that we came in to learn, and so on and so forth. So that's the astrology component. A little bit later on, I met a gentleman named Antonio Santos. He lives in Montreal, uh, Quebec, and he and I became fast friends, and I always had an interest in numbers, and I knew about the study of numerology. So I studied with him and learned Pythagorean numerology. And the thing about numerology that I really like is that with numerology, you can do it anywhere. I, you know, years ago, my friends used to say it was my party trick because you can take somebody's birth date and on the spot uh, kind of do your addition and determine what their destiny path is and what their personality uh, is like. So you kind of get a handle of the type of person that's standing in front of you. Um, I guess when you're asking me the difference between both and how I use them, you know, astrology, you can really pinpoint particular times. You can't necessarily tell how a person is evolving with their consciousness. You can get a really good handle on that with numerology. When you blend the two of them, I just find they enhance, uh, you know, both studies or both tools, and they give you more specifics. It's a little hard for me to explain how exactly I do that, but that's why I've used both astrology and numerology. And when you're so when talking, you, go ahead. So when you come when you come back to, <clears throat> to astrology and you, mm-hmm. you have this uh, detailed chart, which which is complex. In the old days, people used to have to do it by hand and, and calculations, mm-hmm. and now we have computers to do it for us. So, but it, it's a complex chart of positions and angles between planets and and so on. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the the astrology, you you can also apply the astrology not only to individuals but to countries and to the whole planet, correct? Absolutely, and also to businesses. I do a lot of... um, uh, I have clients who come to me about, um, you know, when to make some changes in their business and so on. So you can also create it for businesses and marriages. Any point in time, you can cast a chart. So, for example, if we have... Uh, the solstice. We can cast a chart for the solstice, and that basically, as an astrologer, we look at from either the solstice to the equinox or, uh, you know, the equinox to uh, the following solstice to give us an idea of what's going on for a particular point in time. We can look at that. I have friends of mine who are astrologers who cast them for the new moon. Um, so, you know, you can cast an, an astrology chart for any point in time, uh, just as long as you have a location, a time, and a date. So you can also then uh, take someone's birth chart and create a chart for now mm-hmm. and make some comparisons between the two. You can. I mean, oftentimes we do, um, uh, you know, a chart on a person's birthday to see what the following year looks like. There's so many ways to look at astrology, and that's why when I do my workshops, 
uh, and I have one coming up uh, in New Brunswick uh, the first week in February, and I've been asked at different times, well, can you do an astrology workshop? And it's one of those studies that I find is it's, it's a lifelong study, you know, there, and there's so many ways to uh, look at a chart, so many different aspects to a chart that, that uh, you know, again, because you can take it for any time, date, and place, there's many ways to kind of uh, of, of look at the data and um, evaluate certain situations and criteria. And, and the motions of the planet, the movements of the different planets, and the influences of the planets are, are well known. Mm-hmm. Um, just talk a little bit about when a planet is in retrograde. What does that mean in, in astronomical terms, and what does it mean in astrological terms? Well, I think when the, the easiest way, and I, I'm asked this quite frequently, especially when Mercury goes retrograde, and of course, more and more people are becoming familiar with the term Mercury retrograde. Mercury is our planet of communication, and when it goes retrograde, uh, three to four times a year, depending on the year, we have a whole lot of communication breakdown. And uh, I have a theory behind that as we're evolving and ascending. But uh, just to get back to your initial question about retrograde, the easiest way to explain the retrograde motion is to uh, picture yourself in a train, in a, in, in a train, in a stationary position, and another train is going past you. The train appears to be going backwards. It's not really going backwards, but it appears to be going backwards. That's what the retrograde motion of a planet looks like in the sky. It's an optical illusion. And when planets go retrograde, because Mercury isn't the only planet that goes uh, retrograde, they all uh, do that with the exception of um, the sun and the moon. The, uh, when planets go retrograde, it's a time for us to reflect on whatever the energy is of the particular planet in the particular sign. So it's not really a time for us to move forward. So if you're talking about, you know, the fact that we just left a Mercury retrograde period and we've entered uh, a Saturn retrograde period and a Mars retrograde period, this particular winter and moving into probably May of of this year is a pretty intense time um, because of those of that retrograde activity. So you said you, uh, you said earlier you had your own view of, of the influence of Mercury retrograde from a higher perspective. Just tell us about that now. Well, you know, Mercury being our planet of communication, and what I've observed over the last, I'm going to say, 10 years, is that when Mercury goes retrograde, it appears to create more havoc with communication and technology. And my theory behind that is that as we become more and more dependent on technology, we have a tendency to not always use our mental capacities or our intuition. So the Mercury retrograde period, you know, almost forces us to push our computers away or our communication devices away out of frustration. And it's, I think it's really for us to get back to using more our mental capacities that are not reliant on technology and our ability to communicate intuitively with each other, you know, or get back to using our intuition about making decisions about certain things. So, you know, it's, it, whether that's something that, and I don't know how you would actually measure that. It's just more my observation with the Mercury retrograde and the fact that people 
during those periods really seem to be frustrated. And of course, I pay attention to those periods. And I, my, the person that works on my computer, uh, you know, I always alert him to those particular times. And he says, Surely, you're right. Every time Mercury slows down and then goes retrograde, I have more calls from people. And it seems a little bit more challenging to get their, uh, computer issues dealt with. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon that takes place, but I think it is, there's purpose behind everything, and I think it is really to get us to, you know, not be so reliant on the technology that's around us, and everything is, you know, the whole tech, technological phase is just amping up, so there's got to be something to counterbalance that. So actually what you're saying is we need to turn to our inner technology, our own spiritual awakening technology to assist us when the external te- technology breaks down. I'm just going to tell, tell a, my own personal sto- story of Mercury retrograde and Mars retrograde because um, it was probably about a week ago, Mercury was just turning, and we had some power outages on Vancouver Island, and we suddenly had a power surge. Um, Mars, the god of war and, and all that stuff, and um, we had uh, double... Uh, light bulb brightness and then we had smoke coming out of our outlets and our computer uh, got fried and you know it's absolutely classic of of the sorts of things that happen when you get these uh, powerful retrogrades all coming together and and Saturn has got uh, tremendous influence in the world at the moment too perhaps you could continue with that one well and the other thing actually surely you can't (laughs) I hear our our music so we're actually going to go to our first break but I'll get Cyril to talk about that after the break, and we'll move on to numerology and look at some specific examples to help our listeners understand numerology and astrology. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. What's it like? What's it like? It's lonely. It's really lonely. I miss my brother. I miss my brother. 
I'm surrounded by other people, but it's not the same. I've got other people around me, but it's not the same. It's pretty scary, but I don't let it it's rattle me. It's pretty scary around here, but I don't let it rattle me. You always have to watch your back. There's no one to watch my back. I spend my whole day worried who's out to I'm get me. I'm always wondering who's out to get me. But I can take care of myself. But I can take care of myself. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. No matter what, I'll keep my head up. It's not like I have a choice. It's not like I have a choice. This'll all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. This'll all be over in five years, three months, and 17 days. Go to jail for a gun crime and your family serves a sentence with you. Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Hello and welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Today we have with us Cyrilla Gallagher, who before the break was giving us an overview of astrology and we were talking about retrograde motion of the planets and Cyrilla you were about to talk about uh, Saturn being in retrograde motion and the, the significance of that so please continue. Well I was going to talk about Saturn, Mars and Mercury um, because we, we were talking about um, Haiti and how close that earthquake uh, came to all those pattern, uh, all those planets being retrograde and then Mercury going direct. So the um, earthquake happened, I believe, on the 12th of January, and on the 15th we had Mercury going direct, Saturn going retrograde, a solar eclipse. Um, Mars, I believe, was uh, retrograde. Yeah, Mars was retrograde in Leo at that time. So the whole retrograde motion, that's an example of when activity really happens. And, you know, the Saturn retrograde in Leo has a lot to do with unmasking um, false authorities and um, things that we're, we're going through this whole unmasking period. It's not just a Saturn retrograde. It's what we've got going on in the sky, this major configuration with Saturn and Pluto squaring each other and Saturn opposite Uranus. So there's this whole uh, unmasking of false authorities. And I, you know, for me, I want to really see down the road how... Um, what is going on in Haiti and all the money that's pouring in and how quickly humanity has responded to that, which is also part of, you know, the energies we've got going on. We've got uh, Jupiter in Pisces and so on and Uranus uh, in Pisces. So that energy itself is the humanitarian, the spiritual, the generosity of spirit, the compassion of your fellow man. That side of things is going on, but it's going to be really interesting to watch, I think, how that money that is pouring into Haiti actually gets used, because I think that the world is going to start to uh, 
make these governments and authorities more accountable. And any indiscretions, I think, we're going to see. It's not going to be, you know, a whole range of years before we figure out what's going on there. People are going to make um, the power figures accountable, and it's going to be interesting to watch how this whole period unfolds. It was also interesting that, that Pluto got demoted a while ago from being a, a planet, and, and, and since that time, it's actually been exerting a pretty significant influence. So just, just talk about the, the Pluto-Saturn square with Uranus involved as well, because Uranus is all about sudden and unexpected change, I believe, and, and obviously Pluto is playing a role with Saturn. So just describe that a little bit. Well, first thing I want to say is when Pluto got downgraded, <laughs> I laughed because yes, I thought I. if anybody has ever had anything going on in their chart with Pluto, which is death and rebirth, uh, but, you know, many astrologers, astrologers would say it's destruction. It comes in and it, it really disintegrates everything so that it can rise up again in a new way. So, Pluto being as little as it is, it's a pretty powerful planet. And any time you've got anything going on in your chart with Pluto, you really know something's going on. But the Saturn-Pluto square that's happening, let's talk a little bit about the sim, uh, symbolism behind it. Saturn is our structures, and Pluto is transformation. When they make hard aspects, which are challenging aspects, in this case it's a 90-degree aspect, you know, we are looking at our structures coming under major reform. It's even something that can indicate natural disasters. You know, the economy, social, political circumstances are all being tested, uh, you know, to uproot the old consciousness of fear and manipulation and power games and greed. So we've got this major square going on. Um, and then you've got the uh, other player in this is Uranus. Now, Saturn and Uranus were first opposite each other when Obama was elected. So if we look at that opposition, Saturn symbolizes the old, Uranus symbolizes the new. Saturn represents stability and, you know, the status quo, and Uranus is new and quick and uh, exciting, but also sometimes a surprise coming in. So you've got what's called a T-square. You've got Saturn opposite Uranus, and they're both this year in 2010 squaring Pluto. So we know that there's going to be sudden changes in, in the Earth in terms of more, perhaps more natural disasters happening. We, we know that the structures that we've built around us are coming up for major reform. That can be uh, economic, that can be government, that can be the medical, that can be educational system. There's a variety of structures that we build around us. So they're all coming up to be uh, what doesn't serve us anymore, to be um, released so that the new can come in. And uh, so that's what that square represents. But while that's going on, there's so much happening at the grassroots level that is new and exciting and really serves the direction humanity is heading in. So uh, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you around this was there there were a lot of predictions from gifted astrologers. Mm -hmm. There was going to be a second financial collapse in November, Mm -hmm. which actually didn't happen. We continued to be in a state of recovery. Mm -hmm. what, what was your view of that, uh, that time period? What happened there? 
Well, I was one of those astrologers who <laughs> was really surprised that nothing happened. And uh, somebody I follow very closely, Barbara Hanclow, and I respect her uh, view, um, she was the same. She said it really made her question astrology altogether. But, you know, the more we look at it... Um, the, the way that the economic structures or the stock market seems to have re- rebounded, it doesn't seem plausible, you know. So I think that it's it was it, it, it was um, there was a band aid put over the whole stock market. And yes, I did expect something myself to happen in November, but I think that we have to wait until this Saturn. Uh, Pluto square really completes before we make any decisions as to what it represents and the fact that it took place and nothing really happened because we don't know what was taking place behind the scenes. And that's kind of where I've left it. We've got this uh, square coming up again in, in February, March, and I want to get through that period, especially with Saturn retrograde before I really, you know, kind of throw my hat into uh, into the astrology ring and say I surrender, because I think that what we're going to see is really, you know, there needs to be a shift in the way that the stock market has been structured. There's no question. And what happened a year ago when we had that opportunity, you know, everybody was so panicked about what happened that they just kind of stacked their blocks up again and carried on their way. But I think the foundation of it really is not steady anymore. And and that's what we're going to see uh, really shifting probably this winter. So looking on the the more positive side of things, you you mentioned uh, Jupiter in Pisces, uh, mm-hmm. which Jupiter is an expansive uh, type of influence. Mm-hmm. What, what, in terms of what we should be doing um, in, ter- in this fairly bumpy ride that we're on at the moment, what mm-hmm. should individual people be doing themselves? Well, Jupiter and Pisces, it's it's like, you know, all the other energies that are out there. We really don't have to do anything. We just have to be. The Jupiter and Pisces is such... Jupiter is expansion, it's optimism, and Pisces is our spirituality. When Jupiter is in Pisces, the uh, you know our spiritual resources, our desire to for um, to have generosity of spirit, compassion towards others, you know, to uh, focus on the less fortunate, to really go into our inner landscape. It almost happens naturally. So even if you're not inclined that way, which some people haven't had the uh, experience to delve into their spirituality or the inclination, you're almost pushed that way through the media, through literature that's around you, through the people that you interact with. You know, it's almost through osmosis. So as I said, you're, you're right about saying let's focus on the positive. What I'm trying to say is, yes, there's going to be more shifting taking place, but, you know, the universe is kind, and there's never um, anything really challenging going on without the positive there to support it. And, as he, you know, human nature, unfortunately, we don't have a tendency to shift unless we're pushed to do so. So that's what... Some of these more challenging transits are here to do this year, and the other ones are there to support us on our journey. Great. That's a great answer. Thank you. Well, let's shift on to the numerology. And you mentioned um, uh, at the beginning that you actually follow Pythagorean numerology, which mm-hmm. I, I'm not familiar with particularly. 
Mm-hmm. So just give us a little bit of a view of, of what that means. Well, Pythagorean numerology, I mean, there's a variety of numerology studies out there, but Pythagorean numerology is what I studied with Antonio, and it was developed by Pythagoras, who was a mathematician. And Pythagoras basically put, he uh, equated numbers to nature. And he looked around and, you know, so he looked at the number one and he took a single uh, individual as uh, an entity that was somebody there to pioneer and establish and lead. And then he, he looked at all the numbers that way and he took the symbolism and he encoded it. Cyril, we're just going to break off for a moment there. We're coming up to our second break, and I'll get you to continue talking about numerology after the break, and we'll look at some specific examples. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure, what's up? Um, there's this girl I kind of like. Well, if there's one thing I know, it's women. Really? Well, they didn't call me velvet for nothing. I don't get it. Smooth. I was smooth. Oh. Anyway, it's easy. You just got to impress her. Show her how strong you are. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? I don't know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt, if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, Ugh! try it. Uh, uh. <laughs> See, there you go. And you should dress up. Start wearing a shirt and tie. I'll look like a dork. No, you'll look successful. Okay. And finally, you can start using my cologne. <clears throat> the ladies love it, so don't be shy. Splash it on. Thanks, Dad. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To find out how you can adopt, please visit our website at adoptuskids.org or call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Spiritual Workout with host Stephen Morrison helps you go beyond the books, CDs, and the workshops you've gone to to learn spirituality. Stephen will passionately help you see which of 15 universally spiritual concepts apply to your circumstance and how. Now there's a way to help you live it every single day. Work out every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Spiritual Workout with your host, Stephen Morrison, on 7th Wave Network. A practical path to a happier, more peaceful, and richer life experience. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness, which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tong left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. 
These are available now at petertongue.com. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Hello and welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. My guest today, Cyrilla Gallagher, was talking about astrology and began talking about numerology at the end of the last segment. So, Cyrilla, just continue about Pythagorean numerology. Well, I guess what I was saying, Peter, is that Pythagoras took, used the symbolism of nature and what he saw in uh, the environment around him and applied that to certain numbers. And when you think about it, if we took numbers out of our world, whether it was off the telephone or what have you, it would make life pretty difficult. So the study of numerology is all about codes and frequencies. I mean, it numbers run throughout science and everything else in our lives. And, um, you know, really, we are no different. Everything has a vibrational pattern. And numerology shows how an individual has a specific specific vibration and frequency and to me what I liked about numerology when I started studying it was that it explained why we uh, resonate towards certain people and certain experiences perhaps more than others and I think the beauty of the study of numerology and astrology for that matter but when I teach numerology what I see people do is it takes down a lot of their judgments about other people because they begin to understand that everybody has a unique and individual path and we're here to experience certain lessons um, and we all have you know a different way of walking through life and so you know the that, that to me is the beautiful thing uh, about numerology and using it with astrology, as I said earlier, it just gives a little bit more definition to um, somebody's astrological chart. And, and the two of them really reflect uh, each other. So when you get into the study of both of them, it's just fascinating to see how they play off of each other. So let me just give you, uh, I'll give you my dates so you, you can actually use a practical example to, to mm-hmm. how you would calculate the numerology. Mm-hmm. So I was born on November the 1st, mm-hmm. which obviously is uh, the 11th month, the first day, 1953. Mm-hmm. So just talk through how we would calculate out the numerology from that. Okay, well the first thing that I want to say about at numerology is, yes, it's your birth date, but it's also your full birth name, your name at birth. That carries um, a frequency as well, and um, it's the name that you were given at birth that you would have held uh, up until even the age of three. So let's say somebody um, was adopted and they changed their name. As long as it's a name that was used uh, up until the age of three, that's the name that carries your vibration throughout your life. So what I'm going to give you, Peter, 
is just um, your destiny, which is the path that the person is meant to walk here on on this earth plane, what they're known as. In astrology, it would have a similar impact to the sun sign, although we, with numerology and astrology, we blend the two together. And then the personality, which in essence is the clothes, if you want to say, that that destiny wears on the walk. So you were born on the 1st of November, 1953. When we take um, the 1st, that represents your personality. Um, So the 1 is all about leadership and pioneering and initiating and going out into places that other people have not uh, looked at investigating before. Sometimes Everything has a light and a shadow, so sometimes it's tied to a strong ego, um, and sometimes that ego is needed in order to pioneer and do the things you needed to do, but often personality ones have some ego challenges that they have to work through. Um, that is, you know, that's just part of their journey. The destiny three, which is the totality of your birth numbers, has everything to do with communication and creativity and getting a message across and artistic pursuits. And so when you get the three and the one together, which is Tiger Woods' numbers, by the way, um, you're looking at somebody who's a perfectionist, who wants to do things in a way that you know nobody else has really achieved before. Their message is strong. Their message is clear. You know, they have direction. Um, the fact that uh, you're also a Scorpio puts more power behind that energy. And it really, as opposed to being a Libra, let's say, that's a little more uh, laid back, the Scorpio wants to go out there and do it and get their message across. And there's a lot of power and energy behind those numbers. So it's a great number for, for uh, number combination for achievement, communication, and really getting your ideas across. Okay, great. So just to, to check that then, so the, the 1 and the 11 and the 1953, just add them together, which mm-hmm. comes to 21, and then you reduce that down to a single single digit down to 3, right? That's, you, you, that's right. You reduce everything down, so you reduce the 1 stays at a 1, obviously, because it's a single digit. The 11 remains an 11 only because it's 11 and 22 are master numbers. So you've got 1 plus 11, and then you add all the numbers uh, of 1953, 1, 9, uh, 5, and 3. You add those all together. You come up with 18, the 1 and the 8 reduced to a 9. So now we're adding 1 plus 11 plus 9, which adds to 23, which reduces to a 3. Oh, sorry, which 21. adds to 21 and reduces to a 3. Right. Okay, excellent. Mm-hmm. Now you just threw in an expression there, master numbers. Just what does that mean? Well, it wasn't until the turn of the century that numerologists started to see that there were a lot of 11s and 22s coming up. Um, 11 and tw- 11 is the number of the visionary. 22 is the number of the master worker. And um, so they were just recently acknowledged in the last hundred years as codes and frequencies that numerologists were seeing more and more of. And I really feel that the reason that is is because as we're going 
to the end of this, or if we're coming to the end of this cycle, the souls that are incarnating have a lot of lifetime experiences. So, of course, we've got visionaries and master builders. Now, the other thing that's coming and we're seeing with younger adults is a lot of 33s and 44s. So 33 has everything to do, 33 adds to a 6, but it is a master communicator um, in a way that is so loving and oriented towards humanity. And the 44 really is has everything to do with building again, but it's more entrepreneurial. It's, it's raising money, it's raising funds, it's, but using it for humanity. So, you know, a hundred years ago we were seeing the 11s and the 22s. Now we're seeing more 33s and 44s. So that's, that's an evolving process in itself. It is, it is. So what we what we wanted to do uh, now was to actually look at some examples, and, and I actually asked Cyrilla um, to look at the British royal family because I have some interest in the lineage, the DNA lineage going back through uh, the royal family and Princess Diana. So I asked Cyrilla if, if we could just have a little discussion about the Queen, Prince Charles, <laughs> Princess Diana, Prince William, and Prince Harry. Not sure how you're going to do this, Cyril, and I'm going to hand the ball over to you. <laughs> okay, well, what, what I did was I, I, I actually did all their, their full names, uh, their birth dates, and I looked at um, their life cycles and challenges. And um, so I want to start with um, Princess, Princess Diana because when we look at uh, the present royal family, you know, there was so much that went on since the early 80s when Princess Diana and Charles came together, and the numerology between Diana and Charles is so different in many ways, and yet what happens in families, um, and even extended families, when people marry into a family, their codes and frequencies have a common thread. And with it, so that's what we were uh, primarily looking for within the royal family. And there's a few things that we'll highlight. Um, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do this, but I'll start with Diana, who's. Um, and I just want to talk about her destiny and her personality. Her destiny. Um, she came in with a heavy karmic debt, and within the royal family, uh, karmic debts. Uh, not in the uh, not in William and Henry or Harry do we see it? I'm sorry, but it, you know, with Diana and with Charles and with the Queen Mother. And what's fascinating to me, and when I'm talking about a karmic debt, let me explain this. We all have karma. That's why we incarnate on the planet. Some of us come in with a heavier burden to clear than others. It's like dirty laundry. We come in and we need to clean our laundry while we're here. Uh, because in a past life, we really kind of mucked things up. When we're talking karmic debts, there's four karmic debt groups, and they, uh, what happens uh, with regards to karmic debt is you haven't just influenced one or two people, you've influenced a large group of people. So we could be talking about somebody like a slave owner, you know, who has impacted a large group of people, or we could be talking about the other groups, which I'll get into after the break, Peter. Okay, thanks so much, Sarilla. That's going to be a fascinating segment upcoming. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. 
taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. How do we walk our true spiritual path at a time when the Western world is fixated on material gain? More people are now recognizing the emptiness which comes with this limited approach to life. There is another way. Four years ago, Peter Tung left his position as a high school principal with 30 years experience in the education system and turned to his true calling of a metaphysical life. He now uses his experience and wisdom to provide solutions to personal and organizational challenges. Peter offers corporate workshops and seminars, public meditations, radio interviews, healing sessions, and community visits to bring awareness of the new paradigm, the awakening to conscious co-creation. Visit PeterTongue.com today to register for events and to purchase his transformative visualization meditation CDs. You can also download the meditation CDs as MP3s if you wish for listening on your computer or on the go. These are available now at PeterTongue.com. When you have a stroke, you may not even notice it right away. But then, time passes and the symptoms get worse. One minute you feel fine and the next, your speech could be slurred or not make sense. One side of your body might become numb. You might see double. You drop the TV remote because you can't hold up your arm. That's because after a stroke, every minute you don't get help is another minute that your brain is being starved of oxygen. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience any of these warning signs, call 911 immediately because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Hello and welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tung. And today my guest is Cyrilla Gallagher and before the break Cyrilla was beginning to tell us about the numerology and astrology of the royal family. And so really you'd started talking about Princess Diana and the karmic death that she carried in her lifetime. Please continue. Well, as I was saying about uh, karmic debts, they are, when people come in, they're paying a debt because they've, 
they've affected a large group of people in a previous lifetime. And so they're here to pay a debt. And I know, Peter, we only have a brief amount of time, so I'll just focus on um, Princess Diana because that will give your listeners a good idea about how numerology works. Uh, Diana came in with a karmic debt 16, which equals a 7, and 7 is what gave her that quiet, timid um, uh, approach to life. I mean, she was also a personality, one, because she was born on July 1st, so she was able to get out there, but there was a side of Diana that nobody really knew that was kind of secretive in many ways, and... Seven is the number of the intellect, and so it's a number that's very mysterious. It represents spirituality. The karmic debt was associated with illicit love affairs. So in this lifetime, it was really important for her to walk a straight line with regards to that or anybody who has that uh, 16-7 debt associated with them. But the seven itself has everything to do with intellectual pursuits and spirituality and there are people who like to be away from the limelight. So her numbers were a little bit contradictory because on one hand she would like to be away from the limelight, on the other hand with that personality one she was in it. When we look at her full name, there's a large part of her uh, expression that was tied to the same energy of the seven, um, that uh, ability to um, be shy and coy and this intellectual side of her personality, but yet her inner desire was to communicate and get out in the public, and you could see that when she she uh, worked a room or was out in the public. Now, what what's interesting to me is when she married Prince Charles, she was in a personal year nine, which is endings. It's never a good year to get married in a personal year nine. It brings a lot of drama. And her uh, death happened on her uh, on a year seven, which was her destiny. So when you look at numerology and you look at the cycles and the patterns that um, people uh, go through and experience in your life, it's always very on target for what's going on. And the other thing, we can take and look at uh, her birth numbers, and there's something called the Pythagorean grid. And you look at what numbers are there and what numbers are missing. She was missing in her numbers 4, 5, and 6, which has everything to do with hopes uh, being dashed and disappointments in life and disillusionment and nothing is up to expectations and feelings of rejection, etc. So, you know, Princess Diana's life was very interesting and it was, you know, there was a mystery behind it, which is the seven. But when you look at all the drama that was taking place and the pinnacle she was in at the time of her death was also a nine, so it represents endings and dramas. And so it's very reflective on the way this woman lived her life. And yet at the same time, she was a cancer and she was loving and she was doing humanitarian work and she was working to, you know, get rid of landmines and so on and so forth. And she loved her children, a typical cancer trait. Let's just uh, slip in uh, a minute on uh, Prince William because he becomes a a bit of a key guy, as far as I understand, in the future. Can Mm -hmm. you just give us a a very quick overview of of his destiny and personality? Well, uh, Prince William's destiny is an 11. He's a visionary. His personality is a 3. So he and it, the 11s are always gentle. They're gentle people. They they 
kind of float through life. They have this kind of charismatic, aloof quality about them. And, um, you know, his, but his expression, his full name at birth is all about freedom and independence and transformation. And so is his motivation, which represents all the vowels in his name. But his inner desire is philanthropic pursuits and to serve humanity. So, you know, when you look at um, Prince William's numbers, his energy is completely different from what has been the established pattern in the royal family. He does have some key traits of his father, and he has a lot of key traits of his mother, too. So I think Prince William uh, will reflect what Prince Charles maybe wanted to do but couldn't do. And, um, I, I mean, it's a whole new generation with uh, Prince William and Prince Harry. Sula, thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad you were able to get that little piece in because we are coming up to the end of the show and that's absolutely fascinating. Obviously, we are going to see uh, all this unfold as, as uh, we live our lives in the next few years. There is an ancient belief around uh, this time period connecting through Princess Diana's family going back in time and Prince William, which is connected to William Shakespeare, actually. And Will I, William can be translated into Will I Am, the divine will of God. And so... I really hope that the predictions of the Rosicrucians of the 1600s, that when Prince William becomes king, will herald in a golden era of peace. And we'll talk about that at some future time. So, Cyril, I really, really appreciate your involvement in the show today. Uh, it's been a fascinating discussion. Just give us your website so people can contact you if they wish to follow up with you. My website is www.aspiro, A-S-P-I-R-O, lifestyle.ca, or people can listen to any of my shows on the World Puja Network. The name of the show is Frequency. So those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. Super. And I believe I'm going to be on your show in a few weeks' time. Perhaps we'll talk yes. about this uh, topic then, Cyrilla. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you, Peter. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. So next week, my guest is Diana Cooper, an extremely well-known English woman who works with the 2012 and beyond. We didn't get to the mind calendar today. We will next week. And also talks about enlightenment and light orbs. So I hope you'll listen in next week with Diana Cooper. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation, wishing you a wonderful week. you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring please join host peter tongue for another edition of awakening to conscious creation next wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific time on seventh wave network